One. Welcome back to the Four Podmen, the wrestling podcast we bring you each and every week on the Dynamo Podcast Network. Head over to YouTube, smash that subscribe and bell notification button. Audio versions of the show are available on Anchor. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Joining me tonight, we got the four pod men in total this week. And we're going to start off with a great review of the latest Dark Side of the Ring episode, the Brian Pillman story. And joining me tonight, of course, the podfather of the network, wearing that beautiful Never Give Up John Cena shirt, Ian Kelly. How you doing, Ian? I didn't know you realised I was here. <laughs> I, I seen you. I have, I have a trained eye when it comes to those shirts. <laughs> he had to sell them, sure. He had to find them, didn't he? Well, let's start off by saying that if you want a shirt like this, not this particular one, there's only one place to go, and that is Wrestling Mania on Dublin's beautiful St. Stephen's Green. Top floor. Shit's getting back open and up again, and uh, Noel is your man to go and see. So you don't have to just go on Facebook and Instagram and all that nonsense anymore. You can actually go and see the man in person. And, Maybe uh, get an autograph. Yeah, I tell you one thing. Yeah, you should be fair. You should be given. You know what? If you pay an extra tenner, you get an autograph. There you go. Boom. You never Sign know. my internet. <laughs> you never, you never know what you might get for a subscribe on this channel. <laughs> Who knows? I'm very well though. Thank you. Good. Also joining me, my hot tag partner. J the D O double G. Fuck yeah, baby. Awesome. Fuck and yeah. fine form at the moment. Oh, and also me. joining me as always, the man who always brings the beef, Joe Dugna. Joe, how are you, my man? Very good. All quiet out west, lads. Always good to be here. Yeah, Brand new flag in the background. Mad cow disease free since 96. <laughs> Same flag, just a better haircut. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Lads, we, we looked at both parts of this uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode with Brian Pillman, but before we should get into that, I should say to our viewers, if you haven't watched our episode on Macho Man Randy Savage, get over there and watch it now. It was absolutely fantastic. And also our episode on The Ultimate Warrior, which is absolutely blown up on the channel. And also be prepared for a super episode coming real soon on the Dynamo's Dozen looking at some A&E stuff, but we won't say anything else about it. So, lads, let's begin. Brian Pillman, the loose cannon. Um, don't know about you guys, this was a very hard watch for me, from start right through to finish. Um, from the madness of the character, to the madness of his life, to the madness of his death. Um, he really and truly was a loose cannon. Um, Joe, Talk to me. What was your thinking on it? Um, yeah, look, you know, he, he tried for the NFL and he wasn't he was considered not big enough for then he went off to Canada and had a half decent career up there. But uh yeah, no, parts of this were very difficult to watch. Um, you know, the, it was uh, you know, as they say, fact is stranger than fiction, because like his his life was kind of upside down in, in, in moments, you know. Like finding out he had a daughter when, you know two years after she was born and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was, uh, must have been quite the shock to the system. And, um, you know, and it, like, it, you know, all the stuff behind the scenes, there's no wonder he came up with the loose cannon character because there's just so much happening behind the scenes. Like, you, you, you couldn't, you, you almost, it was almost, probably almost a therapy for him nearly to kind of be able to express himself. Uh, but it was, it, I have to say, both parts were, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say the word enjoyable, but they were certainly intriguing. 
and yeah, intriguing. very much so. Yeah, very much so. Intriguing to watch. Yeah, very much so. And uh, you know, hard to take your eyes away from it, even though a lot of it was tough to get through. But um, very, very good. But those that series anyway, the Dark Side of the Ring is brilliant. So um, I haven't seen a bad one yet personally. But uh, but you know, he was he was an interesting kind of character. He certainly was. Yeah, I think when you look at it, I mean, I, I like the format of Dark Side of the Ring and I like the way they do the reconstructions and stuff like that. You know, like if you're watching like a, a criminal documentary or something yeah. like that, you know, it's really, really good. Ian, what was your thinking on it? Because obviously, I mean, you, you'd have affection for Brian Pillman being, you know, trained by Stu Hart and part of the Hart Foundation and all that kind of stuff. What was your thinking on it? Yeah, I was a big, I was a big Pillman fan in in the kind of early nineties. Anyway, when I watched them, uh, my first match I saw with Pillman was the pay per view with uh, Yushin Thunder Liger, and I was a super Liger fan. Anyway, so I knew more about Liger, and um, just from the magazines. Like, I mean, I would have only been like, like that year would have only been like nine or ten. So for me, it was all about the visual and stuff. Do you know what I mean? But uh, when I saw Pillman like match Liger, you know, fucking jump for jump is the way I was thinking back in the day. And like, he really was flying Brian. Like he was absolutely phenomenal. Those kind of a uh, leopard print, um, or Jaguar print, whatever the hell you want to call The it. Bengal, the, the, I was thinking yeah, of that team, the, the Bengal Bengals. Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah, the Tiger print. Yeah, it was just awesome. Yeah. That mullet was just awesome. I mean, like to kind of go back on what Joe said, yeah, he really did live the life of a rock star, I think. But, but one of the things that um, made me kind of like like the story but like like the documentary even more was the fact that as soon as he did have found out that he had a daughter that he was straight on it like you know what i mean he he fucking manned up and took her in and you know just basically it was it, it showed the, the level of the man like he didn't shirk away from his responsibilities which i think is an ongoing theme throughout the throughout the show um you know and it, like i mean there's a lot of old adages and stuff like that, but he really did put his body on the line for his family, like, you know? Um, so that really, I think, shone through and showed you that underneath all of the uh, the madness and the, the you know, the, the kayfabe or not kayfabe, you know, no one ever knows, no one ever knew um, that, you know, there was a man there that obviously loved his family and loved his kids, obviously couldn't stay loyal to one woman, but I mean, there was a lot of. Uh, I mean, that was kind of the rock. Compared star. to other men's weaknesses in the sport, it, that was a very human weakness. I yes, think. yes. Uh, quite yes, a lot's yeah. made of it, but there's a lot of men in that sport who had much more cancerous voices than being Absolutely. a decent guy with a weak guy who, 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 again, like you said, stood up and stood by every single one of his. Uh, is, is, is indiscretions, I suppose, one for want of a better word. He was, he was a hell of a father. He might not be much of a husband or a man, but you can't take away from the humanity of him. But even the even the fact that, you know, he stood by, uh, you know, his exes and his baby mamas as well, do you know what I mean? And was heartbroken when, when, when the ex died and all that kind of stuff. It showed that there was a, a good human being down there, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, very, 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 um, very emotional journey. I have to say both of those episodes. Yeah, yeah. I suppose Jay, the team that comes through is certainly in the beginning is a man who, you know, who was so disappointed at um let's say a failed attempt, if you like, at, at an American football career. But a man <laughs> who no matter what he pursued, he'd be a hundred percent in like all in. All in. It, it was almost it's, the, 
it was an intriguing story. What to go back to an earlier point? What I love about the dark sides, I believe Joe said it. That they, they, for years we were only ever given one side of the sandwich, which was just a slice of bread and some meat. It was either the shit slinging or the you know virtues without any of the the negativity. And what the dark side boys are trying to do, which I, I find transcends the sport into just honest viewing is that they try to show you the character from strength and weakness that they don't know they don't judge they're like this is who he was to the best of our knowledge nobody can be in anybody's head at any given time and they are retrospectively doing these episodes and they are they are honestly offering up this is all we know of the situation you as the viewer decide you've all known men like this with these weaknesses in your life Apply them to the famous as well as yourself because nobody is above the trappings of money. Everybody's human at the end of the day, whether they're a prince or a pauper. And I think that come across really well in this one, particularly this one. Yes. You know, like yeah, the, the tragedy of Pillman is, we all came up roughly around the same time in this sport. And, and Pillman's tragedy was pre-internet glossy fucking magazine bullshit. He was almost very much so the forgotten tragedy of pro wrestling when you consider what followed them. Do you know, and it's, I think sometimes I, I forget. He, we, I was so unaware of so much and so many aspects of him that it kind of it, it, it fattens out the picture of the man and how great he was when he was. Like, he did so much and so little. And the early part of a story mirrors the macho man aspect of him losing out on the Major League Baseball, but being absolutely 100% committed to whatever's put on the plate. Like, yeah. Jesus. The, the one thing I thought it, it's sort of. Um it had parallels with our episode on, on Macho Man insofar as yes. he lived the gimmick 100%. It sort of spawned out of a failing in another sport, which could have went a totally different direction. There was, was almost just, an aspect of that. You remember, do you remember the original Batman where Nicholson is, 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 is Joker again and, and he failed as, as the predecessor of the, the Joker and he's kind of just sitting there and he's like, wait till they get a load of me. It was almost that aspect of him, do you know? Yeah, but it was Brilliant. just um, I, I like I like as you said there the way like they offer up as much of the story as they can, and then they let us as the viewer form our opinion, which yeah. I I find I don't know about you guys looking at the episodes, it's hard to form an opinion, isn't it? When you're sort of looking at something from the nineties, and you're trying to form an opinion in twenty twenty one. Yeah, different it, different it, times. You know it, what I mean? Like, I mean, Jay Jay will will agree with me here. Like a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we would have. Uh, grown up with like in terms of being rockers you know Guns N' Roses you know Motley Crue Kiss all these bands you know the whole premise of it was rock and roll like I mean when I grew up live fast die hard yeah do you know what I mean like I was reading you know the book like the dirt from the Motley Crue or something probably full of shit now but like just just to use as an example but the one thing that isn't full of shit was that you know you went out you got women you know you lived hard you drank hard you done drugs or whatever you know, you either get addicted or you don't or whatever. But you, you you go around your weekend as your thing and you live like your favorite rock star. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For every legend that comes through the back end of that story and gets to sit down and give us Keith Richards fucking interview. Yes. A hundred men have died from it. It's yes. an insatiable fucking animal. Like you give your soul to this commodity that is fame. And it's funny you mention that because Brian, when you look at him in this, there was something, even though it was the mid nineties, it was, there's something very Sunset Strip about the kids. That's that's what exactly I mean? what I was thinking, Jay. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there was yeah. co- there was a couple of promo shots there, and it just reminded me of like your Vince Neils. Do you know what I mean? Like 
Perfect. And he didn't, he, he wasn't wearing it. He, he was it. Some men put <laughs> that on and you're like, you know, who is the clothes wearing the man or is the man wearing the clothes? It, he didn't exactly come across it. as some kind of rocker. It was just, it was, he was very Sunset Strip. It was like 80s wrestling raised him. No, it was 100% true. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think that's, and they were all, they were all rock star. And, and like, there's a reason that people of fame back then, you know, did those things because that was the sign of the time. So, no, that's a great point that you make. You know, 2021 is very, very different. You know what I mean? You have yeah. bands now, rock bands, going out and having a fucking cucumber water and yeah. playing a PlayStation. Like, and you're like, but that's... Like well, now we're, we're like we'd be like all right well that's a smart choice fair enough <laughs> we're a bit older but yeah. fuck that shit you know what yeah. I mean? it's real cheap talking to talk when you got people talking about how crazy and fucked up their lives were and you're looking at them going really because you look real good and real healthy real alive real together with all them yeah. organs working for a man who has never ever even seen or licked that side of the fucking stamp pal it's real easy talking to talk your bank account says you didn't but i mean there's many dead men who walked the walk they ain't here talking about how wild it was oh it was so fucking wild what was it what was it with your life and your health yeah. But that's it because you'd kind of look at it wouldn't you lads you'd kind of look at it like Ozzy Osbourne is your equivalent to your Ric Flair kind of thing you know what I mean you're like you shouldn't be here you know um, and then you've kind of got your Hulk Hogan's and all who are just all about the money and there's your Gene Simmons and then you've kind of got the underneath guys and you've got the kind of Hanoi Rocks boys and there's your Brian Pillman's you know what I mean and, yeah. and so for, for every like great story and like you know we all love the fact that Flair is still out there you know, we watched that 30 for 30 documentary, which I'm sure we'll probably revisit one day with, with Ric Flair. And now he's just out openly talking about, yeah, I drink again. What are you talking about? Fuck that, fuck that movie. <laughs> it's like some men are forged in the fire. Do you know what I mean? Some men, he, he, the, the thing about Flair, Flair is, and with a lot of them other guys, you've got to face that, you've got to lick that. And he broke his back in a plane crash, and that was enough for him. All he had to do was see them operating lights above him going for every second from here on in. Woo, baby! Woo! You know I me. Mean? You're gonna have to drag me into that coffin. I am living. Yeah. That's, that's it. Noel, I didn't mean to kind of deter from that, but I was no, just no. making making a point that kind of fits the time. Do you no, know, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah, because I when I look at Pillman, I was thinking he could be sitting as a drummer on stage with Europe strumming out the final countdown, and he wouldn't look out of place <laughs> at all. You know, yeah. Yeah. Just, although he would look there, pretty badass, wouldn't he, with the size yeah. and, the, and the curly yeah. hair with the shave. He most man. certainly would have been a drummer. He most yeah. certainly would have been most a drummer. definitely. Yeah, and I can bear it. <laughs> I've been around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was your um before we get into some of the detail? I'm really enjoying, and I know we're big fans of Jim Cornette on this show. I'm really enjoying him on the show because he yes. constantly keeps on bringing it back to the business, and it's yeah. fantastic the way he does it because you kind of get like a little segment there where it's you know some wife who got screwed off or some bit of kid who didn't get a royalty or something that and the next thing it goes back to Cornet and he keeps on talking about how this guy would have been a star like Austin and the rock yeah. would have been up there. And I just think it's beautiful the way they're using Cornet in the series as well because he's the you know that historian guy who can can't he's the voice who like, can't be bought. He can't be yeah. bought. Wrestling is his yeah. passion and no one federation has ever been successfully able to own him. And that's so rare. Can we also add as well, it's the first time, sorry, Joe, this one, actually, Joe, I'll give this one to you. Have you, um, have you ever seen Cornet as emotional as that one scene? I've never seen Cornet break down, ever. Um, not, certainly not off the top of my head, but, um, but I find that Cornet kind of grounds us. 
yes. kind of grounds the shows. Because yeah. as you said, Noel, when they it starts going off on another kind of track, they come back to him and he brings it back yeah. to what well, you know, the core element of it, which is professional wrestling. Yeah. And um, I have to say, like, geez, he looks very well. He does. He looks better now than he did 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I did, like, he looks he looks great. And, uh, very happy, yeah. Yeah, but he, he's fantastic to listen to. And um, like, I, I love listening to him and I love listening to J.R. as well. Uh, I just think, you know, cause yeah. the, the two of them, like, you know, I'm sure you guys are as much as I am, huge fans of the pair of them. Yeah. So, like, to hear their sides of things is great Since... to listen to them, like, since JR's come out the other side and we know that he doesn't belong to the other fella anymore, he's become a different human. I didn't used to like JR when he was a company man down the company line carrying the shit shit that was shoveled onto him around. I wasn't a big fan of that JR. This JR, listen to him all day. There's a succinct honesty to him. Which, 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 you know what, we deserve to hear. He deserves he deserves his tail told as well, bless him. I'm with Jay on that. Actually, I, I would have been of the same ilk as as Jay in the sense that um I I used to hate that Bruce Pritchard Jr. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean like Jr. At least gets out of it and then doesn't tell the company line anymore. Whereas that other fella just uh, he'll do it. Yes, man. Ah, oh, that's who he. That's who he is. I mean, he was he doing is. he was doing a podcast for eight years and still was licking the hole of of the boss so that he got the job again. And he was eventually, you know what I mean? The which nut would you like me to lick today, sir? Even though I'm a million miles away, but Jr. Definitely. Is... In, in, in fairness, all roads generally lead to Connecticut. It's just they swap in and out as it suits. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, John Laurinaitis, like yeah. <laughs> the dude. Every, the cash, yeah. Everyone eventually comes to that fork in the road and right is New York and left is Connecticut. And they yeah, said you know, they choose the path, so it's in. Yeah, yeah. The cash flow highway. I, I love the way he sits there with his little AEW polo shirt on. <laughs> you know, and it's so succinct in the way he does it. You can tell it's staged. Hang on, wrong top lads. <laughs> I, think, I think Noel, you're right though, and I think Joe made a good point there. Um, it's like Cornet, obviously, you almost feel because you know how these things work, and I kind of I was lucky enough, Dynamo's doesn't check the latest episode out, obviously, with Dynamo Kids daughter Brahman. Uh, Billington's great, great episode. And we had a chat about because obviously the Dynamite Kid episode is going to be upcoming. So I had a little bit of an insight as to how they're doing these shows and all and, and what they do in terms of how they put them together. And I'm not going to peel back the curtain quite much because, you know, I, I am a pay favor. But one thing I would say that they've done with Cornette is that he almost had the narrative down in terms of the story. So he probably done hours of talking, you know what I mean? So that there was a base there, as Joe mentioned that they can always go back to. So they can feed off the base that Cornette and Jim Ross have given them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's their, their compass, as Joe likes yeah. to always say, you know what I mean? That's, that's yeah. where they can go back to. And well, find the two home. boys were only on the recent experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, so they obviously, they obviously praise rating very highly and use them as the compass for the show because they know they're getting the truth out of them. You can, exactly. you can kind of tell with Cornette as well. They probably went down to his house for a weekend and they shot the whole series. They just asked him six yeah. questions, yeah. hit the camera, record and walked off. And right. came Look, back. After the first two seasons, yeah. I thought it was, uh, it was like, how are they going to do this third season? So obviously that's sitting with Cornette and he's telling them, this is who you have to do. This is who you have to do. And this is who you have to do. Yeah. yeah. And the beauty with Cornette is he doesn't care whose toes no. he steps on. He doesn't give no. a fuck. No. He doesn't give a fuck. Why would he? he 
He's the last honest voice in that sport, which is let's I mean it's it's a, it's a sport based on a dishonest yeah. voice. It's it's a, the, the whole premise of what we love is a lie. You know yeah. what I mean? But someday and sometimes it's the only truth in town. But it, it it's amazing when you hear them on a documentary like that, as opposed to if you listen to his podcast and you know with his podcast, it's entertaining and all. But there's so much wind and piss coming through at you compared to when you see him in a documentary like that and it's factual about what he comes out with. You know, <laughs> yeah. right? It's really good, like you know. But uh, yeah, really enjoy it. it. Lends such a level of credibility to it as well, you know. And uh, I think uh, a shout out as well to um, to Jericho. I think he narrates it absolutely brilliantly. You know what I yeah. mean? He's um, obviously he's great at the casting. You know what I mean? He's a great yeah. talker anyway. But well, he, he won his spores. He won his spores on the on the Benoit episodes for me. Yeah, he, he really phenomenal. Sean True, the human in him, Sean Truly. Yeah, phenomenal man. Well, I mean, he's a great human anyway. I mean, look, any any mention you talk, um, you know, we, we mentioned it on the show, like I mentioned earlier with Brahman, and we talked about um, I talked about the the GoFundMe that was set up for for Donald Kid that was fraudulently fucking put up by a certain person. Not really allowed to speak about it, but. Jericho donated 10 grand straight away because Dynamo Kid was one of his favorite wrestlers. The man behind all this, you know, they can call him the Cobamo and all this crap, you know, just because Fozzie played a gig and all this rubbish. But Jericho, deep down, is a great, obviously a great human being and cares deeply about, you know, the people that came before him. He'll make a, he'll make a great Dark Side episode because there certainly is two sides to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there is with all humans. He is, but he's it. But deep down, he's a good, he's a good skin. You know what I mean? That's that's all I'd, I'd say. And good enough to narrate his own episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> Jericho is the kind of guy that's playing his own movie, isn't he? Like, you know what I mean? They're just like, uh, yeah, yeah. But like, but Jericho, who when Chris wins, who are we going to get to play the younger you? Man, you can CGI that shit. Come on, man. I get get Sebastian back in to narrate that. Yeah. One. <laughs> get a L- Lanny Poffo in to narrate it. His voice would be class, really. Um, yeah, Mr. Silk. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ian, talk to me about some of the coverage on the career. I mean, I get so excited about Pillman when they're shooting a promo and into the camera walks Austin himself and Barry Windham with blonde hair and a black mustache. <laughs> I just think it looked amazing. But talk to me, like, from the Hollywood Blondes and, you know, yeah. some of his singles career through the coverage that were on the episodes. Yeah, like, again, I was lucky enough to kind of follow WCW in that era. Like, I've actually, when I think about it, I was lucky enough to follow most of WCW back in the day. Like, even when I was young, I had all the sticker books and all. So I, I'd be, like, opening the sticker books and going, who the fuck is this guy? Scotty Flamingo. I don't know, but I love his jacket. Here we go. And it, now he's raving, you know what I mean? You know, who's Johnny B. Bad? Oh, Jesus, now he's Mark Merrow. You know, I had all these... These guys, and I used to collect like the old WCW figures, the ones that couldn't move. You know, they they all had the yeah, they all had the just full gold belt. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was great, like, but no. So Brian Pillman, like, and the, especially with the Hollywood Blondes, because that you're looking at the 95, 95 era, 95, 96, um, more more 94, 95, and I remember um, Austin kind of having that feud with with a. Uh, um, not Ricky. Well, he did have one with Ricky Steamboat, but with Rick Rude was the one that stood out to me more. But um, I remember the Hollywood Blondes doing those shows because they'd always put the highlights, you know, the shit that when Flair and all would be on it, they had the whole set where obviously the famous trip heard around the world happened. Um, 
and the boys were just literally being themselves. They almost remind reminded you kind of of uh, like the early version of the New Day, where they just didn't give a shit. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They were yeah. coming out doing the camera roll. It was like, look, we have to make a spot for ourselves. Dusty Rhodes in the office quite clearly don't like us, so let's fucking put ourselves in a position that they have to use us. Um, Great seeing Austin so comfortable as well, wasn't it? Like, yeah, uh, oh man, new gimmicks he's had over his career. He was only ever fully comfortable as maybe two, and it was as a Hollywood blonde and as the rattlesnake. Like, he was so comfortable, exactly. Like, it was the two boys where I mean, and that story I'd known that story, I'm sure you saw everyone knew that story, but the crosses that were made and all they kind of it was like the Black Sabbath story, wasn't it? They got the two the two chains made, and you know, they, they kept it for life, and you could see Austin. He's a proper old school K Faber, so he doesn't like trying to show his emotions or whatnot. But you could see it was very hard for him. But yeah, to answer your question, though, I was, um, I mean, it's easy for me to say now that I was a big fan of them, but I hated them back then because they were so good at their job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. At the time when I was watching, I was like, who's these fucking idiots? You know what I mean? Here's one lad losing his hair, like another <laughs> lad with a big fucking mullet. But what were they doing? They weren't just doing the camera, they were reeling me in. Like, do you know what I mean? And that's. I mean, when you look back at those guys, it was just absolutely, they were absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, why they were having a crack. They were loving it. <laughs> why do you think workers, why do you think like overall in New York, like workers like the Hitman and the Undertaker and all these were going, that Austin guy loved to work with. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you could see, and not to make it about Austin, but with the two of them together, you could see he was the bigger guy. So they could tell that he was a guy that could, you know, yeah. you could have good, good matches with. But I mean, Pillman, Good Lord. I mean, he was a big boy in his own life back then. He, you know, he was a cruiserweight back then. But uh, in today's world, Jesus Christ, he'd probably be he'd be making the cruiserweights look very, very small. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, phenomenal workers. And I love their, love their work. Um, big, big parts of my wrestling fandom back then, you know, when I think yeah. of the show as a whole. Because yeah. WCW was a much cheaper production and, yeah. and uh, obviously only on for an hour once a week, so they were always kind of a, a memory there, you know what I mean? Yeah, what, I, what I loved about the Hollywood Blondes, mainly from watching this, like, because I only know of them from, I, you know, I didn't watch the BCW as a young lad. Yeah. But, um, but like, listening to this, especially Austin talking about how he wanted nothing to do with it, and Pillman was more excited about it. But I think Pillman was excited about it. Like, look, we're going to be on TV. Let's just make the fucking most of this. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and you know, basically just dragged Austin kicking and screaming into it. And he got, you know, he got caught up in it as well. Which of course, like, and you can see the crowds got caught up in it and all that kind of yeah. shit. Where they're, you know, they hated them, and then they started coming around to them. And then they did a, you know, uh, the uh, guys backstage did a Vince like and said, "Oh, you're not going to get over on." Without us telling you, you can get over and fucking broke them up. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, I just don't understand that kind of. Those How dare you be good? <laughs> yeah. you know, like we, Joe, Joe, can't you see the point that I was making saying they were like an old school New Day? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were just thrown together, just yeah. said, look, we'll just put them all together. And I'm sure, let's be real, but like, yeah, yous are all the black guys. So you can all just fucking go and do whatever the hell you want. You know what I mean? And make chicken salad out of chicken shit if you can I'm sure that's the way the uh, office was thinking 
Yeah, I really, I, I really loved on the show the way they did the reconstruction. And Pillman walks into the locker room to Austin and goes, right, come on, and we sit down and work out the finish of this match. And Austin <laughs> goes, the fuck are you talking about? You know what I mean? And you can just imagine it happening that way because you know what Pillman was like? He just like probably walk in, had a chat with the office and go, yeah, go over and tell Austin you want to tag with him or something. <laughs> We're not going to tell him because you man. tell us to fuck off. And you can imagine Austin stomping up to the office going, what's this shit? You know what I mean? yeah. just but doesn't it show, um, it kind of shows, and it, I, I got the vibe as well even the way Austin was talking that Pillman was kind of like a natural born leader you know what I mean because yeah. if, if that's the way he tells the stories like he yeah. followed whatever Pillman done yeah so Pillman yeah, I think here. I think you just realized that uh, Brian was very excitable you get these humans who are just fucking excitable they they're, they're, they're there's an effervescent energy that just like yourself out of them. Like yourself. <laughs> you know what? yeah listen <laughs> <laughs> But what I love about it, there's a dynamic between them. Like we say, Austin was waiting and waiting and waiting because he knew what was inside him. And Pillman was the same thing. And them looking at each other. And the dynamic of professional wrestling, the simple fact is, sometimes when they push somebody on us, we don't take to it. But when there's somebody who's been held by the fucking head, back, 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 and they hit snapping point and something happens to them. It can happen to these two men. I mean, there's a reason... That the, 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 the reluctance of them to be a tag team initially, well, of one of them, and the reason they made our Rushmore of fucking tag teams is, is because they kind of looked at each other and it was again, it was a Warrior Hogan or Warrior Macho Man thing. It was like, well, they ain't got nothing else for us and they sure as hell don't know what they've got in us. Well, let's go out there and fucking show them what they're missing, baby. Let's show them they're wrong. Whereas the audacity and the fucking the knowing your role aspect of, of creative and professional wrestling, it's almost like you overstepped the mark like bringing them an idea because they were hired to bring ideas and you're like we're brilliant you're not we're going to do it we don't need your permission they're going to see it in us anyway so why don't you just run with us and it's like no no you're not to be good you're not how dare you we've got people with belts on them it's not yous stop that it's like yeah whatever Yeah, I kind, kind of like of... the bad side of Dusty Rhodes as well though isn't it do you know what I mean like and it showed like the book inside of Dusty Rhodes that wasn't necessarily favorable with some of these legends you know what i mean yeah. well he in in a booker's role when you when you sit down and you've got your little pen and you're like great we're being paid 975 billion quid to mark out the next six and a half months of wrestling and you're like okay this is a great plan i've got it i've done it last fucking day before the test you you you, you feel like you've studied enough and you walk into the office and say i've got a year's worth of booking and then like you've got it all planned out and there's a role and a place and a time for everybody and in your head it runs like this program this fucking this is how we're going to do it baby and then the fly in the ointment of these two cunts getting pops left right and center when they shouldn't be here like what are you doing we still ball and night planning the next year of wrestling and you're ruining it on everybody's no the everybody love it i am um, sorry no i was going to go to you joe there i was i was going along on the emotion of the story with austin and you could see how difficult it was for him to to kind of film it and Jesus, he broke me heart then when he broke out the gold chain. Oh, oh me too, yeah. Man, my heart was smashed. What was you thinking, Joe? Uh, look, um, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty heart-wrenching, to be fair. You know, just this little memento that he's held on to. And you know, probably not, you know, I'm surprised it's still in one piece, to be fair, because I doubt it was the most expensive <laughs> thing ever bought. You know what I mean? But he, it, it means, you know, it's it's huge sentimental value to him, obviously. And uh it was it was pretty heartbreaking. And as as Ian said earlier about uh, 
Austin. He, he, he's, he does, he's not really a, a man to show too much emotion. And yeah, man's man, kind he, of thing, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can see it starting to, you know, creep through. And it, it was, yeah, it was, it was totally, you know, it was kind of, Jesus, if, if yeah. Austin is getting this emotional. Like, oh, no, should I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was kind of, I was kind of thinking, Jay, the career that Austin has had and probably all the stuff he's gathered on that, that path, if you like. And, you know, he's pulling this, I won't say little gold chain, but he's pulling this gold chain probably out of a jewellery <laughs> box somewhere. And, you tacky know, 80s piece of mid-90s fucking tack. You know, the gold chain probably meant as much to him as the, as the smoking school belt hanging on the wall, you know, and you're just there yeah. seeing the real emotion yeah. of the, the biggest SOB in the business, you know what like I mean? There's, there's, there's a lot, there was a lot done there, there was subtleties there. When you think about who we're sitting in front of, you've got a guy who started movies with Stallone. You've got a guy who set the world alight. You've got a guy who was zero to everything in such a short, short space of time. The injection that he gave the sport we love kept a lot of men working and paid for so long. And the dignity in which he treats how emotionally attached he is to Brian. Like he... he he's not sitting around every week talking about my best friend this and my best friend that and we were this and we were that. It's just like, it happened to me. I fucking love them. And beyond the persona you've seen on TV, that's my friend. And he passed at a time when the tragedies just start coming fucking tenfold and he was almost lost in the mix. And the dignity in which he allows Brian's career to stand on its own as opposed to using it as a medal on his chest and a lapel on his shoulder. It's lovely. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's a real sincere yeah. dignity in which is like he could be sitting around all day talking about filming. And he I've never I've never seen him hear or heard him come across. He's obviously done interviews across the years. Anybody asks him a question, he'll answer it to the best of his knowledge. But he doesn't sit around on his podcast talking about you know, using it to elevate his own stature. Yeah. He already knows who he is and he's very comfortable yeah. with who he is, but he allows Brian's legend. It's like this little private part over here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's lovely. I think it, it, there's a genuine love there. Like, and you, you, you can't fake it. Yeah, he, he comes across as a, he wasn't it. He was just a part of it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice sort of tip to hat to Brian as well. When you think about the career Austin has had, you know, yeah, so, I mean, we all knew he had that. something, and in their parent, we mightn't have been aware of it at the time. But Austin didn't bring nothing to the parent. I mean, no. you essentially had how would you even describe Austin in parallels to the past? Like in, in Pillman, you had aspects of all of the hearts. You had you had a bit of fucking, you had a bit of, you know, Brett. You had aspects of fucking dynamite in there the Owen he, as well in the, in those the, bits of Owen yeah. do you know what I mean he, he presented himself in in, 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 in a fanaticism like Owen there, there, there was he worked a little bit like fucking dynamite in the sense yeah. that he was quick he was snappy he was a high floor he could go to the top dumbbell. he was that mid-range physicality that could go or he could fucking slug it out but it's not lost on us from perception we know Austin had it Anybody who says he didn't have it doesn't know what they're talking about. And when they were watching, when we were watching uh, the Hollywood Blondes, it, the, the rambunctious one might have been in our face, giving it the big one. But we were also primarily focused on whatever it was in this guy. It wasn't owned yet. Yeah. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't sit around going, well, he was my friend. And before I became the biggest thing ever, 
Brian was there with me. He just leaves it alone. He's like, I was, I'm thankful they paired me with Brian. And he leaves yeah. Brian's career to be Brian's career because his fame Absolutely. was so short. And it was with the biggest star in the business pre his stardom. But he doesn't tweet the shit all over it in a kind of a, well, me and Brian were that because of who I became. It's like, I'd been nothing without him. He was the guy who became a buddy on the road. I felt like I had somebody in WCW who had my back. It, it, it's beautiful. It's just... It, well, it, I've it, got a question for you, gentlemen, actually. How did you feel... Um, what did you feel about Meltzer on the show? I, I actually think... I thought he came across pretty good. Um, I didn't think it was kind of out of place. I always got the feeling in, in his talk that he was sincere in what he was saying. Um, I didn't think it was kind of... You know, the kind of false narrative that we get at times about the AEW stuff and the wrestlers of the year and all that kind of awards and all that. I thought in this one, I think he was kind of sincere about it. And I think he knew he had to be um, because of the, the, the subject choice, obviously. Um, yeah, because he kind of the one reason I was asking that is because I didn't help the feel initially when I saw his mug on the, on the show. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, because it was all like, and he, I think he rubbed me up the wrong way at the start because of like, well, you know, he would call me and tell me this and tell me that. And, but then, yeah. you know, and I was like, right, Dave, put your fucking, you know, he was coming in as ego, Dave. Like, do you know what I mean, Dave? He, he, there's a duality in him. He's two people. Mm. He was integral to the early days of the globalization of Absolutely. pro wrestling. What well, he's done is undeniable. But, in comparison to what he's become in the last three or four years, I think he's realized that so many are following what he trailblazed in the early days that now he has to become Mega Dave. Do you know what I mean? Like that South Park yeah. episode. Yeah. And he's he's part of the walk now. I don't think I don't... he's a bad guy. And to be honest with you, the reason I asked you is that quick because you, knows that I, you all know that I've been very, very critical of him over a number of years. But I have to say... I kind of got a newfound respect for him after that show as well. I think, um, I think if I if I was to get someone like him on Dynamo's dozen as Dave, boom, I'd love to have that conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, I think, hey, you're hundred percent right. The Mega Dave that can fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Because well, that's a work. That's AEW. That's, exactly. He is working but, now. But the problem yeah. is, he's bad at it. You know what I mean? To yeah. to to the to the fucking <laughs> to, the, to the learned fan, he's bad at it. And but I, I have to say I agree with all you boys. I just wanted to know what you said before I, I jumped in. Really? I, thought, uh, I thought he was. Um, I thought he came across well. I thought he came across sincere. I thought he came across that he actually did care about it. You know what I mean? And I think if more, the subject is if the subject is sincere, he will speak sincerely. Yes. But if you're talking to him in anything that he can earn money off, and I don't blame him for that. It's a get your dollar, no, get out no. business, you know? Absolutely. Look, what what are we in this for? You know what I mean? We all want to want everyone to like us, you know what I mean? But at the same time, we're going to be honest. We're going to be honest about it, you know what I mean? And I'd rather keep that element. But uh, no, I thought Dave Meltzer came across uh, very well. So I do tip my hat to Dave Meltzer. And uh, I never <laughs> thought I'd say that. <laughs> we're not in the pe- business of people like us. We're in the business of likes. <laughs> well, okay, I listen. Point me. Feel how you want about me. I'll never give a fuck about you. But as long as you enjoy our conversation, we couldn't give a fuck. I mean, the yep. conversation is the start here. Ian, touch on the 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 segment with Bischoff, um, sending them away to 
make his name to come back for more money. Uh, what, what was your thinking on that? That was the weirdest move ever, wasn't I'll it? I'll tell you what I thought about that. Uh, that was... The opposite that, of Meltzer. <laughs> that was a shark swimming in um, in a pond full of goldfish. And Bischoff happened to be the goldfish. Jesus, uh, yeah. Oh, and, wow. And to be honest with you, this, this was a... You know, Jay said it earlier. This is an old Calgary boy going <laughs> <laughs> in and saying, "All right, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that." Well, he knew he obviously had to do whatever he had to do. And when money, when the when those dollar bills were involved, um, yeah, Bischoff got worked badly on it, and um, I think he <laughs> and Bischoff came out looking very bad on it as well. You know, it's obviously it. still a very sore subject. It is because Bischoff, you know, Bischoff usually looks good these days, like in, in, in talking. But the one thing that Bischoff still can't bring himself to be is uh, is honest Worked. in certain <laughs> positions. But no, to be honest in certain positions, yeah. you know what I mean. He finds it very hard to actually be honest in, in some. You know, he'll either you you know toe the old line of, well, I don't quite recall with that one, and you're like yeah. Bischoff, you never took a bump in your life. You don't get yeah. to fucking not yeah. recall shit. You're a businessman. You recall everything. You just only recall... What do I do? Tell them that don't work for you, brother. <laughs> you, you, you wrote a lot of the history. Don't be telling me you don't remember it, bitch. Yeah. It's kind of like... Uh, I remember Conrad Thompson called him out, didn't he, on that... Um, uh, uh, you know, on the two boys, the two... Uh, the, the outsiders, you know, and they were saying, like, oh, they they said that they wanted that deal, that whoever comes in, it's got to be matched, like, but unless it was certain people, you know what I mean? And there was a list or whatever... And Bischoff was like, well, I don't really recall that conversation happening. And then uh, I think, uh, didn't he say that he never had that conversation with Brett when he wanted him to come in 96? <laughs> and uh, like every single person, even Michaels and all were like, no, that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, mm-hmm. we know that happened. <laughs> you know, so he's uh, he's one of those Bischoff. I like Bischoff, to be honest with you. But yeah. he, uh, he, he has a selective memory. Yeah, that would be the best way to describe Bishop. <laughs> you go off up there to Connecticut and make yourself a star, and when you're a star, come back down to me. <laughs> back to me. What? It's like you're what? literally. I mean, that's that's the only, the only. I have to say, I'll pat myself on the back for that one. That was literally a shark swimming with goldfish. You know what I mean? And Bishop just happened to be the head goldfish of that day. Like you know, uh, oh. maybe he lived in a bigger tank for longer. But at the end of the day, it was a shark coming to visit you. And no. he didn't realize it. Yeah, Bishop was one hundred percent. And like, and what I loved about it was like, they have Bischoff, like, they, they kept cutting between Bischoff talking about how, oh, we talked about it, we talked about it, and then cut back to that um, strength coach. That, um, that was a bit the like, star of the piece, yeah, Kim Woods, yeah, yeah. And they kept, they, they cut back to him, and he goes, no fucking way, he did Bischoff in, like, <laughs> <laughs> he did a, he it was about the money, yeah, it was about the fucking money. <laughs> and I just loved the way it kept cutting back to him when Bischoff was trying to. As Ian was saying there, Bishop, Bishop knew he'd been had, and he was trying to make himself sound better. And then he'd come back to your man going, no, he did it for the fucking money. Yeah, he fucked him. He fucked him. Yeah, That's yeah. how you break up with a woman. You make her think it's her idea. I have never seen on TV a more likable asshole in my life. He needs his own show, that guy. You know who reminded me of? I was sitting there, and I because it was homework, I poured some homework juice, and I'm sitting there looking at him going, if you'd have told me before I press play on this that Red Foreman from that 70s show was a real person, 
I would have called you a bullshit liar. Yet here we are. Here he is. And he's the greatest thing on this show. How did, how did the work miss this guy? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking when he was shown the pictures of uh, of Pillman when he was in the American football, who looked like just a totally different beast of a human being. And I was thinking, this is fucking Icarus part two. <laughs> you know Come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. But, uh, no, he, I, I, I can imagine great. I can imagine Bischoff getting onto the director's go, please don't include that. I look so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but, that, uh, that should have been with every question, he should have given it the old, I can't hear you, I'm going through a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to speak up, I'm wearing a towel. <laughs> right. Obviously, Conrad Thompson has got into his head, so he can't he can't tell that line anymore if he doesn't quite recall. <laughs> well, lads, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna take it up from the car wreck one welcome back to the podman's review of the dark side of the ring with brian pillman and now we're going to move on and take it up when the car wreck happens brian pillman joe falls asleep at the wheel um, and ends up in a car wreck running into a tree sounds like he went straight through a window screen sustains a number of injuries barely alive um, face has to be reconstructed, leg has to be reconstructed. They made a reference to the fact that a nurse had to hold up his foot and all. It was just flopping around. His whole ankle was shattered and all. Um, and it really, that was really it, really, wasn't it? I mean, J.R. Lewis was as well. I mean, that's the day his career kind of... Oh, it, was the, it was the beginning started. of the end, really. Yeah. Um, I think he said himself that he went through the actual... Um, canopy, the, the, the canopy. Canopy, yeah. 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 Yeah, and um, well, launched you know, 50 it, feet or some shit. Yeah, and I, I don't know, it just it was, geez, it was horrendous in here. But um, like when they talk about like how many pla- six plates in his face, in his and, face, um, peel his whole face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had to peel his, yeah, they had to cut around here and peel it back so they could get at it. And they, they Terminator shit. They had six different doctors looking at him and all this kind of crack. And the, fo- the foot thing just reminded me for some reason, Kerry Von Eric just kept popped into my head and they yeah. talked about the foot thing, like, but yeah. um. You know, and they and they said they were going to have to set it in a way that let, allow him to walk but not run. And you know, as 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 I said, that it was the beginning of the end. And you know, and yeah. you know, Jr. and was trying to you know was trying to stop him really. And um, you know, where you know, and Austin kind of admitted, you know, I'm oh, sure it's Pillman. He'll pull himself through everything. He's a you know, he's a tough guy and that kind of stuff. I'd say he's got some regrets about that kind of attitude that he had towards it. Um, I don't know if he does or not. I just imagine he does. I and, think uh, you're right. Yeah, and you could see J.R. was devastated, like that he he was talking about how he failed him and let him down, and that he couldn't stop him. And uh, you know, it was but you know, what age was he when that happened? Thirty three or thirty four? You know, so, you know, he was a young man when that happened. Yeah. He, you he, know, was he was 35 when he passed away. So. Yeah, thirty five when he passed away. So he was yeah. young when that happened. Yeah, it was the apex of his physicality in ring. When all of his and, learning you know, caught up with his body. Yeah. And they did they did try to give him other jobs. Like, you know, they put him behind the desk for a bit, but he didn't want that. You know, he, he was all he, he just wouldn't stay still and he had to keep going. And it was it's a pity because it would have been great to still have him around. We were we were only talking about managers there not so long ago. Can you imagine if he was in that in that game? Unbelievable. He would have been fantastic. 
Jay, wasn't it mad what came out as well that people, the people involved in the business began to think it was a work and that the facial reconstruction, they wanted them to come back looking like a, a Shawn Michaels. And, you know, the stories that just evolve out of this stuff, you know. And, like of all the faces you would want to come back to look at. I, I mean, if, 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 if look, a sexy boy is a gimmick, it doesn't mean it's a legitimate thing. He's got a song. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can get somebody to record a song for this fucking mug. I want to be some tune, but that's neither here nor there. Like, like I mean, if well, we're I'd going be, in... I'd be made a Kendall, for fuck's sakes. Yeah, you're right, Jay. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> well, like, if, if I'm going through the roof of a Humvee, first of all, what do you have to do to wreck a vehicle that the military use in conflict? That, that must have been some accident. Like, this isn't a ladder either. Shout out to the 80s kids, <laughs> right? But uh, if, if I'm going in to get reconstructed, I'm walking out like Rick Rude, not John fucking Michaels. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the fact is that Joe alluded to something there as well, the fact that everybody took a slice of blame on this fucking tragedy. I mean, Jesus Christ, I forget the question. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, question no. about the stories that were going around, like the Sean yes, Michaels. Yes, 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 yes. How into his gimmick he was. Like, I mean, I'm so tired of hearing, you know, kayfabe is dead. When one man takes it on himself to fool the business, which is the whole premise of it is a lie, it's still alive and well if you get a man who's determined enough to want to sell himself to the world as a viable fucking commodity in the product. When 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 the men have been in it all their life don't know whether or not they're dealing with something legit or you know, I mean, he, the, the story they told about him going up in his brashness to say hello to Vince McMahon and getting the fucking shot. <laughs> Ribbing the boss of the biggest rib company in the world. You know? And it worked. Yeah. And it like, JR, well, he's kind of like yourself. He likes to take a chance. Like, we, the, 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 there's aspects to it. I know, Joe, you said he, it would have been gravy if he's still around. And obviously, it would have been, no question about it. But there's that gimmick, it was, it was like lightning in a jar. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was a time and a place with the right face, even though it was peeled off his fucking skull to make it convincible. They did find angles to try and keep him in the mix because he, essentially lured himself out of one company and into another for an awful lot of money and he didn't know what was the next step but I mean there's some men who live day to day and Philman was very clearly one of them I don't know it's 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 such a unique story in this business of, of unique stories isn't it yeah I love them Ian you might take this one I I, I I gravitated a lot towards his sister who just seems to be a superhuman person Rick and um, I loved her story where he'd be sitting in the chair with the drip in his arm and it'd be time to go. He'd take the drip <laughs> out of the arm, go out, do what he had to do, come back, put the drip back in the arm. And I just thought that's that's the measure of the man, how much he loved the business, stuff like that. Yeah, man. when it's go time, it's fucking go time. But but the way she stepped in to that space, um, I just think she's an outstanding human being, really. Yeah, know? I think so. And like you start seeing some kind of scumbags come in then, like, i.e. the ex-wife you know what I mean um, and I mean that, that that was a scumbag before she got on the junk let's not judge her for being a junkie that can happen to absolutely anybody you know what I mean it doesn't necessarily mean that she was a bad person just because she found um, a bad you know a demon drug um, however quite clearly she wasn't a nice person beforehand as well because of the fucking way the kids talk about her you know what I mean including yeah her. she wasn't a great person to begin with but the guilt yeah. and who she was destroyed her 
yeah, exactly. So including her own and that conversation she obviously had with the ex-wife then saying you'll never see the kids and all, which was not her place to say. I've I've grown up in that environment shite. So that one took that one that that one um struck a chord at me, do you know what I mean? Because it kind of hit close to home. So it was uh yeah, that was that was kind of a nasty woman. And it was kind of like almost kind of saying, Well, look, it's it's karma too. Do you know what I mean? Uh, karma maybe does work. Um and seeing, you know, that doesn't mean I take pleasure in that. But what I'm saying is it, it showed that there was a bit of karma there. Um, and um, it was, but the sister, going to your point, I thought she was absolutely awesome. And I think the kids were awesome. It was kind of strange seeing his, uh, his other daughter as well. Like she's, she's, she was kind of real. She was real. She was real fucking ripped as well. Like yeah. the little daughter should have said, yeah. yeah. And she spoke so kind of candidly about it as well. It was just, I mean, I gotta say, I don't know. I'll leave this one to you, Noel. But like, obviously, when when you start seeing the sun and all, fuck me, man. That was that was the one that got me. Do you know what I mean? That was that was. Uh, so yeah, like the the mother was the heel, in, in that in that kind of uh, in in that kind of show, and the sister was the outstanding baby face. You know what I mean? Yeah, not not to skip too far ahead, but when yes. they were when yes. they were sitting around the table with the kids and they were looking at the old photographs and all, it was just. It but the was, sister, it, yeah, it, to answer it, your question, Noel, I'd agree with you. The sister to me was just she was absolutely a, a yeah. an absolute sweetheart and a diamond, yeah, an absolute beautiful human being. Yeah. yeah. Um, we push on then, I suppose, and you know we get some of the stuff going on with Austin, and Austin lays a serious beat down on him. Um, Joe, what was you thinking on that? <laughs> yeah, the, the way he spoke about that, like you know that he, you know, he proper bet the piss out of him, like and uh, you know, and then and took the cane and walloped him with the duck and went flying into the crowd and all that. Like I stomped and, uh, a mud hole and then I walked it dry. <laughs> yeah, you know, he just you know, and, and and he said, you know, it had to be done that way so that the, the crowd in Cincinnati would be, you know, baying for his blood and all this kind of crap. And then, uh, but I loved when it went to back to Cornette and he talked about the chair over the ankle and he goes there's a way to do that but I'm not going to tell you <laughs> yes <laughs> yes yes but, and uh, this is a man who makes his money off talking about how people destroy the work and there he is talking about the work himself you double standard bastard I love you I think he thought he knew too much though like because like there is a way to do that and you can see it if you ever watch it in slow <laughs> if you've got always <laughs> if you've got always and understand leverage yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but but I appreciate the effort by Cornette. I like that. No, no, man. That was just him making more gimmick off selling gimmick. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. And then Joe, we couldn't we couldn't go on then when we talk about the segment with the house and the gun. <laughs> oh, that that's that's the that's that's the segment that'll live in infamy, like you know. And, and you know, whenever you think of Brian Bill, everyone sees him with the gun. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a complete psycho, like you know. And uh, <laughs> that was a you good know, impression, Joe, to be fair. Doing? You know, every, <laughs> everyone remembers that, you know, because it was just so out there, and you know, it was just you know, and and, and of course then WWE having to apologize for it the following week. You know, it was just I, you know, awesome. I'm, I'm... It, it, it was daft. I mean, I remember that going out at the original time, and I'm like, look, if he wants to kill Austin, he knows where he works. I mean, he's got a gun. He could just shoot him. I mean, if you can blow the head off a president in front of the world, you can kill your best mate. I mean, but it was. I, I think. I think in in true 
to life WWE fashion, they made a hell of a lot more of it at the time than it was, and it became it was like it was a, a Rolling Stone gathers no moss. It was like, no, we leave that sitting there and let it gather all the moss of fucking ones because this is sensational. You know, yeah. I was, I was, and you're talking about fucking Undertaker talking about people coming to work with 45 in their bag. I was like, well, there's one with a nine millimeter on your camera. Yeah. So clearly it was all true. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> he was talking about filming. Oh, God damn it, filming is after bringing an M60 into the locker room. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then I loved, I loved the way then the segment went back to Dave Balzer and he goes, it was too much. It was too much at the time. <laughs> I'm thinking, going, this is how you made your money. <laughs> it was too yeah, much. but like, but exploding. <laughs> I made rings for for Meltzer as a five star match. You know what I mean? <laughs> 2021 is not 1996. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. So then we kind of we kind of move on then, and it's it's a uh, good wrestling match for Dave Meltzer is too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ian, Ian, what was your what was your thinking then? We we get to see a lot of Melanie at this stage now. The, she kind of uh, has her demons and stuff like that. She comes on camera and you know the, the lack of relationship with the kids and you know trying to rekindle all that. And mm. I don't know about you guys, so no disrespect, her, but she came across strung out the bits. <laughs> well, she was over fucking mallet. Like let's be yeah. let's be real. Um, and. Maybe the reason, reason, but I don't know the lady. Like so, you know, I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna judge her. Uh, who am I to judge anybody? You know, who is any of us to judge yeah. anybody? But uh, at the same time, I'd imagine, I'd imagine a lot of this conversation that she was having has a lot to do with that. You know what I mean? And and kind of where she went in later life. Because at the end of the day, I thought. Um, Vince McMahon came across, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but as a real fucking... He fucking guy. savaged her. He, he savaged her in grief. He savaged her in grief and left her rotten. And basically, on and like whatever about stories, this is the one thing that really made me kind of think, right, that era of Vince McMahon was a scumbag. Um, you know, and, and that's why you can see Vince doing screw jobs and fucking people off and doing all this kind of stuff. Because... That era events to me seemed like a real piece of shit. The way he came across in that uh, interview, uh, and what are, and how are you going to support your four kids? This is a billionaire. You Asking should be supporting those kids. Exactly. This is the first thing I got. I was like, "You're," and the poor lady actually went, "I don't know, Vince. How are you going to ask me this question?" She just looked awkward, and I, I was glad Jr. said it. He goes, "It was fucking a horrible thing to do," yeah. and Vince was doing it for ratings. You know what I mean? And but that, that was the one question that got me, and that's why I'm kind of like, Vince, fuck you for that. He, you know, he wasn't I mean? only he wasn't only doing it for ratings; he was trying to defend himself too. That it, you know, oh, it yeah, all, it was it was all the painkillers he was on, wasn't it? Uh, it was had nothing to do with steroids, you know. Because you know, but sure, he's, he's always done that though, Joe. Joe. Yeah, but he, he wasn't. Yeah he wasn't, long off, yeah, he wasn't long off the steroid trial no. at that stage. You know what I mean? So it was just. He was trying to cover his arse. That's the only. He was yeah, presenting it as a. He was presenting it uh, to the public as a tragedy outside of the company. As in, Brian's not WWE. He hasn't been here that long. Uh, the, 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 again, you could deep dive into the fascinating aspects of humanity. I mean, yeah. he used to protect a company that hires a whole bunch of people, and he should have been a little bit more decent about it. But him separating, Joe's absolutely right. It was almost like a fucking sixty minutes interview. 
And how do you feel about your husband? It was nothing to do with my company dying on, on, on but it was yeah, it was, a scum, it was a scumbag trying to get in there and manipulate a situation. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it was. No, it was. He definitely was distancing the company from yeah. the tragedy. No question yeah. about and, it. And, and like when we think about it over time, like as much as we've done great reviews on Vince, you know what I mean. This this is one of his kind of nasty moments and um, shows kind of the. The dark side events behind the behind it's behind just, the. He is savagely protective of the company that he's built. He is to a fault. To, honest, to but, a but fault. That, but that doesn't give him a pass, Jay. Um, it really I'm not doesn't. looking to give him a pass. Nope. He made a cold, calculated decision to separate the tragedy from the company, mm. and like he has done since with the wiping of Benoit. Again, it, it, he has children. But this business is his children. And well, he, the own, he, the own he looks at it like... knows as well how shrewd he was. I mean, like that kind of yeah. proved to me how I can see what he done with the Hart family after that, offering them money to come and defend the company. Do you know what I mean? Getting straight in there the next day. Oh, you know, at a time where people are in tragic loss and tragic... So, yeah, I I, I saw I saw for the first time on camera like the, the kind of demon that lurks within kind of thing. You know what I mean? What I will say about him is, right, in his defense, and I don't mean this as in a, a defense of what it was, he was the one asking the questions. He didn't ask anybody else to do it. He stepped in and talked and was the devil in the situation. And there was a lot of men on them who couldn't annexed it and said, don't fucking do this, don't fucking do this. That's the ego. Because of our paychecks. That was the ego. I, 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 I think it's him taking, taking the hit. I, no, think, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, well, yeah, listen, if again, this is a conversation for another yeah, situation. Like my well, if I'm running a company and I don't want to look like a scumbag, I'll get a subordinate to do it. I'll say, here, come here, brother, love, sit down and ask her about her. Yeah, but the problem things. is he had such an ego, I think, that he thought he could kind of come on and be like, you know, but just that one question killed it all. You know, And it was, I mean? the, and it was the first one. Yeah. How are you going to support your family? Like, I mean, yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. no, no, sorry. I thought you meant the drugs. Apologies. No, oh, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But, the, that but just that one, like, how are you going to support your family? Like, I mean, that you could tell that that question was like, oh, my God, you're going to kick me while I'm down. You know what I mean? Well, I thought so, you might support me, maybe. I don't well, know. Well, yeah, well but, you, see, you see, the interesting balance in the documentary is after that, they flip into the whole conversation about the royalties that were paid and that the kids never seen any of it that Melanie kept it apparently. That's well, that's, where it came so that well, was the I, interesting. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say apparently though, Noel, and that's why I'm saying I'm not just sticking up for that lady yeah. now, but I'm sticking up for the lady at the time. Yeah. But, yeah. but the stories that come after it. No, but what I'm saying is if you look at the way the documentary is built up, it's built up to make him look really bad and then nearly come full circle that she was getting money and it didn't get apportioned to the kids. Well, so she, was getting, to, she was getting the general royalties yeah. that, they, that they've earned. You know what I mean? Yeah. That wasn't Vince doing anyone a favour. Like oh, no, no, I'm, no, I'm not justifying Vince at all, but I'm just saying the way the documentary brings you on the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm bringing it back, you know? Well, that's you, what you asked me the question about your one anyway. Yeah. Melanie. Um, is that your name? I, 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 I felt so. I, I felt quite sympathetic for her towards the end. To be honest with you, here's what my my view was. Now again, but locking her son in a room and allowing another man. No, I mean, no, 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 no. Listen, in no. I, I understand all of that, but from a psychological perspective, what I have to look at is one: she wasn't a great person to begin with. I don't know her history before that. Sure. I know she was in a relationship with a, a bloke who she had taken off another board. 
it got to a point where she had to deal where Brian wanted to be this Walton's Mountain, let's all get my women and family together. She was obviously threatened to begin with. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was every human has their issues. Yes. And she became an alcoholic after one, first of all, when, when the first mother died and she blamed herself as a human, that utterly destroyed her, no she doubt. Had a lot to do with it, yeah, I mean, I'm not here. Yeah, listen, I'm blame isn't a cake, we don't all get a slice. She was culpable in it and she knew that. And guilt is another aspect. I mean, we've all been shit humans. You're one tragedy away from a shit decision ruining your life. I agree. I mean, and I'm not saying you in particular. I'm oh, no, saying generally, every human watching right now, yeah. tomorrow when you're an asshole to one person, if that one person falls in front of a train, well, then you blame yourself for their death for the rest of the Oh, no, I'd life. agree with that. I would 100% yeah, agree not, with that, Jay. Yeah. You, it's, it's not up there for agreement or disagreement. It's just a cold, hard fact. Now, if you follow these steps from a psychological perspective as a person, there's only so many fucking hits inside of that shit can take before it sinks. You mightn't have been a great person to begin with, but nobody chooses who they are to begin with anyway. Nobody chooses where they're born or who their parents are going to be or what their situation is. You do the best of what you can and you become a survivor. That's how you roll as a human, all humans. And you're like I said, you're only two or three different situations away from developing into a survivalist, which is me first, everybody else second, or a giver is like, I will help as many as I can before I can't. Well, one, thing, one thing I would I will 100% that I wouldn't forgive the woman on in any way shape or form is her treatment of her kids her well you haven't finished I haven't even got to that bit yet and you're right you're absolutely right I'm not making apologies for her Brian Pillman psychologically Pillman. I mean that yeah, look Ian I'm trying to psychologically, psychologically analyse her journey to the shit she was like I mean she blamed herself on the first mile then Brian fucking passes she slips into a fucking alcoholic slumber after sitting in front of national television, basically trying to scapegoat the blame for this fucking superstar in the making, demising from a few somas after a fucking, you know, a Jeep crash. I mean, this the whole thing is a, tra- it's a mess of tragedy. It's mm. all over the place in this one. And I mean, yeah. when I've seen her towards the end, but bring to the point where we are now where she's with with with, with the new husband who was never main, named or mentioned. We don't know who the fuck he is. And we know the kid is getting his bleeding console slammed against the wall and the dogs are not nice to him. I mean, by that stage, she's not even human anymore. She's not. She's, she's been through so many fucking tragedies to the point where if she was human to begin with before she met him, it's all being stripped away and she's fucking nothing. She was a victim too. Yeah, but responsibility is as the mother, you know? She 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 told that fucking that lady that did kill herself that uh they'd never see her kids again. So she assumed responsibility. So that that's the other flip of the coin. I'm sorry. Ideally, no, ideally you're right. Ideally you're right. And I agree yeah. with you. I absolutely agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Well, I hope that a woman that, that did beat the kids. I hope he's fucking He's probably Al dead. He probably, yeah. yeah, listen, he didn't sound too great to begin with, and he wasn't with. She was barely human herself. She was barely conscious. She slipped into some fucking deep tragedies, found a way out through alcohol. She was taking holidays in her own brain, using fucking liters of vodka as an escape. The nice it's a thing, common story. I suppose, I suppose, the nice thing was like that. Brian has kind of forgiven her a little bit because that is his mother. You know what I mean? And I kind of. You know, I, I, I kind of saw that. And at the end of the day, yeah, if you are kind of willing to kind of, you know, take the shots and take the, you know, to, to go on Jay's point, if you are willing to 
kind of take the shots and, and take the beating that comes with it, you know, in the search for forgiveness, then she's definitely done that. And I think, um, I think obviously Brian Jr., you know, it's his mother. I, I know the rest of the family, it's very, very difficult for them to forgive her. You know, without going into it, I know what it's like to kind of like people on the outside that come into your family on the outskirts, they do something fucked up. You're like, but you know, fuck that guy or fuck that girl. You know what I mean? Because there's no bloodline there or something. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, there was nothing right in this story at all. That's the problem. No, and I agree with you, Jay, in fairness, because there's no blame. I did mention that earlier as well. Like, I'm not here to fucking judge another human being, but I can judge a situation. And when I hear of a young kid, getting locked in his room and you know whatever I, I can kind of relate to certain things like that you know you know so like that's that's why I would but the shit that, that the, you know what who he is now is because of the shit that made him oh yeah exactly exactly and I think that's a great and the fact that the man has come out and actually kind of almost well on the road to recovery I suppose with his mother is kind of a uh, kind of a nice was a nice little twist as well but uh, yeah I mean I, I can fully but yeah, Noel, to answer your question in a long-winded way, yeah, Jesus, yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> no, but, but but it's an important, it's, an, it's such a it's such a super super important part of the Joe. Why don't you? What what do you have to say about any of that? Actually, because yeah, look, I I'm with Jay. I I, I felt very sorry for her. Um, yeah. you know, like I know she did a lot of shitty things when she was younger. She, and I think she you know, knows. She knows. And she said it. Like she goes, you know, I I had no right to say that. I don't know why I said it. It's a shitty thing to do. You know, and if, you know, if Brian himself can forgive her, you know, I think it's uh, going to be a lot easier for us on the outside. You know. What business well, you is that of anybody else? You can tell else's. the other kids to forgive, though. You can understand what the oh, other... No, no, completely. No, no, forgiveness no, isn't an obligation. No, yeah, it's absolutely. You know, yeah, no, like, he had no obligation to forgive her. The, 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 the other girls had no obligation to forgive her. Sure, um, uh, I think Brittany, I think it is, she blames her for her mum killing herself. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean? so, you know yeah. that's, that's a very old move. But and she has, as Jay said, she has no obligation to ever talk to her again or anything like that. And um, you know, but I, I did, I, I had an awful lot of sympathy for that woman, and uh, not just her, and sympathy for an awful lot of people in that, you know, watching it, you know, the, the kids especially. And um, and yeah, I did have an it, awful lot of sympathy for her, yeah, yeah, because she, you know, she's, she's, you know, as Jay said, she's gone through a lot, and she's still going through a lot. She looks like she's still battling an awful lot of. She's demons. wearing it on her face. Yeah, 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 exactly. She's battling. I think she's still Definitely. battling an awful lot of demons. And I think the young lad is going to try and, you know, he's 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 back in her life and uh, he's trying to make things work. As he said, it's actually made his life better having her back, you know, trying to make make amends with her. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's, it's good better to for him. One yeah, look exactly. at his face <laughs> and you see an honest, genuine, decent young lad. You see through his perseverance, through his trials, whatever this show put across as his fucking toil. You look at that lad, <laughs> how he speaks and how he speaks of his past and how he wants his future to be. Gentlemen. See nothing but positiveness. I, yeah. I came out of this a junior fan. I am going to go watch him wrestle and I'm rooting for him for his fucking future Me for too. no other reason but how he has treated the fucking 16 course meal of absolute shit he was served up. And if he can come through with that much positivity and just robust decency, nothing was lost in this tragedy if that's the end result. And you know what, Jay? You're 100% right. And it goes back to the points that you were making earlier as well. 
that like anybody watching this show that might have been getting angry about, including myself, you know what I mean, about the relationship that they had. If he can come back through all of that, if he yeah. can come back through all, of, as you said, the 16 versions of shite sandwiches and fucking shite desserts that he had to eat growing up and come out of it, make something of himself and forgive, you know, his mother for it. Then why shouldn't other people be able to forgive? Okay. Him? Kid is a mean? win for humanity. The kid yeah. is a win. He's a victory for decency. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And and I, that's and awesome. one of the highlights. Sorry, one of the, one of the highlights of the two shows was him roaring, "Oh my God!" in the background. Yeah. <laughs> At the yeah. end, and he saw the spider in the back. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So, uh, which which would be a great um, thing to I- implement into a match if you were having a match with it, wouldn't it? When you think about it, um, oh, but yeah, yeah, there was, but there was definitely a dignity and a, you know a kind of you could see how much he adored the dad, couldn't you? Really, it came through in it, like you know what I mean. For all the failings, he broke. He's his father's son. He's his father's son. I cried more in that than. Like when I saw him cry, because yeah. you could almost feel his pain, couldn't you? Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I love the way he talked about how the the lit the light that was the, the fire that was lit under him when Austin yeah. rang him with the weight lifting belt and stuff like yes. that. You know what I mean? And the connection he made with him. And what a great move by Austin, by the way. Yeah. Do you know what it was? Do you know what it was? It was Rocky Two, where she wakes up out of the coma. I want you to do one thing for me. When? Yeah. <laughs> what are we waiting for? Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, that's let's, the one, um, Jay. That's the let's, one. Let's let's round it out with the the day of the pay per view and the actual the, the finality of the tragedy, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone approaches Cornet at the pay per view at the building <laughs> and goes, "Has anyone seen Pillman?" And Cornet goes, "No." And he, you know, I think it was Pritchard or someone said to him, you better get on the phone and ring the hotel. You better find out where this guy is because he ain't here. And Cornette rings the hotel and gets the receptionist who imparts the information on him that he had passed away, I think at lunchtime at one o'clock in the day or something like that. Obviously, hours prior to this. And Cornette just tells someone to get Pritchard or get Bruce quick that he can't handle this call. He can't take this call. And you can see, this is where you see Cornette welling up. He yeah. says... I can't get used to it even today. I can't handle it. I couldn't take that call today. I couldn't take it then. Yeah. Um, and it just it just showed the tragedy of it again. Um, what was your thinking on that, Joe? Look, you you hear news like even somebody like you can hear about it on the news or you hear about someone down the road from you that's thirty five years of age that's died. It's always heartbreaking when someone that young dies, and um, yeah. you know, and especially like I can only imagine, you know. To be to be close to them must be really really heartbreaking, and to get it so you know so suddenly as well. Like he wasn't sick or anything, you know. It's just they're ringing up, going, "Where's this gobshite?" You know what I mean? He's four hours late, you know, and they're on the phone. And yeah, he's like your employee kind of thing. Like where? where yeah, yeah right. exactly. It's, it's yeah. completely out of the blue, and then you're just like, oh, "What?" Like it's no wonder Cornette couldn't handle the call. You would be just like, "What the? Like what do you do or say?" So it's like, "Fucking someone else take this." I can't. You know it's. It's overwhelming. I can't handle this. You know, it, it, it must have been such a punch to the chest for everyone involved, you know, because uh, like, from what I can tell, no one knew of any, you know, uh, major substance abuse or anything like that. Like, you know, it's, so, it's like when you hear sometimes, sometimes when you hear about the young people, you know, they people around them say, well, it was inevitable. He was 
Uh, he was it's almost an aspect of waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this just seemed to be completely out of the blue. And um, just, it must have been horrific, like 35 years of age. And so as such a star on, well, he mightn't have been on the rise anymore because of the crash. Like, but, you know, to be, to be someone that was, you know, that came across as full of life and to be, you know, always on the buzz and moving around and going, to hear that he's just all of a sudden gone must have been. Well, I heard, I heard, um, I heard an interview with Brett talking about it because obviously he was in the Heart Foundation, you know what I mean, at that time. And um, and I think it was actually at one of those ones where they were saying like Brett's the only one left, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he got quite emotional about it. And they showed that picture, you know, where the four of them are all standing with the arms up, and you know it shows the black and white version, and it's only Brett and the pink left. Like, and he said that he was the Pillman one was just completely out of left field because um, he said like he, you know, he wasn't doing any pain pills or anything to his knowledge that the rest of the boys weren't doing. Do you know what I mean? That pretty much everyone else was doing. Because, like, at the end of the day, who's... Like, you're not in the bathroom counting, all right, three for you, three for me, three for you, three for me. Lads have their own bag, you know what I mean? And their own kind of shit, unless you're a hardcore holly and you're stealing other people's drugs. And that's a different story. Um, but uh, I'm just Alabama trying to... slam for you. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> no, Brock Lesnar slam for him. Want to be a bully? Boom. There you go, son. Have that. <laughs> now you're not such a fucking uh, veteran. But no, all, all joking aside, the, um, I mean, it, it, for most of the guys that I've heard, you know, shooting on the Pillman incident, uh, including Brett, who would have been traveling with the go- traveling with him, they all said, like, I mean, they were ba- he was basically taking, you know, the odd pain pill that other lads were were, were taking at the same time. So I can't I can't believe that they they rebuilt him like Robocop. Uh, I mean, there's a naivety to men when they don't understand how easy it is. With other drugs, there's a ceremony to them. You got to fucking toy a tourniquet, jack up, and leave the planet for seven hours, or you know, you've got to get a crack pipe and smoke it and find dealers regularly on the corner. With prescription pain pills, when they've rebuilt you, that's opioids. That's fucking, it's, it's way worse than anything oh, yeah. you can buy off the street. Yeah. And again, there's a, there's a removal from tragedy that a lot of men speak of. Pillman was, on a, if, if, if he did enough, I don't know what the toxicology reports read, but if other wrestlers have believed he was popping a few like fucking disciplines after a night of drinking the way we would, no, his ankle was shattered. They peeled his face off. Yeah, but since they, it was medical lads, history. The lads are on the road. That goes very, very quickly. They're out drinking in bars yeah, every single night. Yeah, but no, Ian, there's a thin blue line you don't cross, and the men aren't going to speak about what they know. But Pillman was a man who let the... He, he duped the world into believing he was crazy, including yeah, the men he who probably he probably duped with. the world into believing that he was sober, too. Who knows? Do you know what I mean? But um, he, he died from a drug overdose. He died from a painkiller or a soma overdose. Whatever it was, killed him. He was no stranger to whatever he did. And he was doing it on the sly, on his own, away from everybody else. That's what I mean. Sorry, yeah. I, I wonder, did he dupe the world into thinking he was crazy? Or was he crazy? <laughs> you know, to well, that well, point. Yeah, I, I have, a, I have a, a, an idea on that. Because I was thinking, because I know... And Joe obviously has done his done his time. I remember. First of all, crazy people don't know they're crazy. 
Well, that's they, it. They're I, not I, aware I, of it. They remember, believe the rest of the world has a problem. Well, I remember for a time, though. Yeah, you know, you're right. But, you know, there is that whole thing of, of living the gimmick, right? And, and Jay, you, you recall this, you know. You, you know, when I was in a very dark period, very, many, many, many years ago, like I would, you know, I always referred to myself as the dynamo as a joke because that was the character. Do you know what I mean? And there's a thin line between the character and the fucking person, you know, and it's easier to kind of use the use the gimmick as the um, the cover as the cover. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As the cover. And um, so, I, you know, not to that level, not to that level, obviously, but I can relate to it. Do you know what I mean? I can relate to it when the gimmick kind of supersedes you and it becomes your, your go-to as the front because you, the real person behind it all wants to stay in the shadow. You know what I mean? Because the real person behind it is vulnerable and a human being and just a normal person who was born to, a, to, to, to two people. So um, I can kind of see, I can kind of see why Pillman probably did possibly end up becoming the gimmick that he had worked so hard to create, you know what I mean? And I, I hope I kind of articulated articulated that well enough yeah. because I think that's that's my feeling that I got. Yeah. And I think he eventually, with all the drugs, as Jay said, and probably the the self medicating behind closed doors and doing oh, absolutely, yeah. I think that I think that probably, um, yeah. probably helped really kind of seal the deal for, you know, for for the yeah. gimmick taking over the man, if that makes sense. Yes, I mean, look, absolutely, succinctly speaking, you're born alone. When you close the door at night, you're alone. When you close your eyes at night, you're alone. And you'll be putting that a casket alone. Everything else is life. And yes. you're gonna, you, you choose to help, to, you choose to allow people in. This is this is the way of life. I mean, we could write a list of wrestlers who've had the exact same problem with Brian. I mean, fucking, oh, man, you know what I mean? It's not. It's not the barbiturates and opiates and the street drugs that are killing wrestlers. It's the stuff that the fucking doctor's giving you that you feel is okay because there's oh, a prescription agree. name and a seven-year degree at the top of that sheet. It's like, well, doctor, look, let's just go ask Kurt Angle, an Olympian. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to tell yes. the truth of your your story. Yes, but well, yeah, close at the end of the night on the road. You're alone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think there's only one way to round out the episode, and that is to finish it with Jr. with the advice he parted on Junior by saying, "Be everything that your father was, but just don't be a loose cannon." And I think that sums it up perfectly. Yes, and that's the gimmick. There yeah. you go. So, lads, as always, it's been a pleasure. This has been our review of Dark Side of the Ring, Brian Pillman. Head over to YouTube, Dynamo Podcast Network, anchor for audio versions of the show. And we will chat to you again real soon. Thanks, lads.